Uh, thank you, Alice, for that uh, novel that I made you read. I appreciate uh, all your hard work in that. Would you guys pray with me this morning? Holy Spirit, I pray that you would pour yourself out upon us, that you would be with me as I speak, that anything that is of me might fall to the ground, but your word might sink true and deep into our hearts. Lord, we just ask for the, the presence of your Son to be with us, for he is risen. Amen. Good morning. It is great to be with you guys today. I don't know about you, anybody else besides me who just loves Easter? Like, you can raise your hand, it's okay, maybe it's just me. But I love Easter. I love Easter morning. I loved last week when I was here and I was able to hold the doors for, for many of you as you came in. And, and the joy that we have on Easter is just amazing. Um, people come in, we, we say happy Easter to each other, and there's just a smile on your face, a, a pep in our step, and, and Easter is just wonderful. It's wonderful as we celebrate the risen Savior, right? I love Easter. Today I want us to look at what kind of happened after Easter. As we move on from that joyous day, and um, Pastor Shane Pruitt, he, he's a famous youth pastor. You guys probably haven't heard of him, but he posted something on his Instagram that uh, kind of made me pause and made me think, and is, is going to kind of be our reflection for this morning. And he says this, he says, anyone can say that Christ is risen on Easter Sunday, but do you live like Christ is risen on Monday? I mean, isn't that powerful? Anybody can say Christ is risen on Sunday, but do you live like Christ is risen on Monday? You know, between uh, or, or shortly after Easter, Jesus, the risen Christ, appears to his disciples or uh, groups of people 12 times, the scripture tells us. And, and if I would walk through these in chronological order, first he appears to Mary Magdalene as she is weeping at the tomb looking for Jesus, and Jesus shows up. And then the other two women that Mary was with, Jesus appears to them. And then scripture tells us that he appears to Peter by himself. We don't have this account, but it, it is mentioned that he does. And this is all on that, that Resurrection Sunday. And then Jesus met with the two disciples who were on the road to Emmaus, and they were lost and, and confused, and Jesus explained the scriptures to them. And then that night, Jesus met the disciples for dinner, and, and he gathered with not the 12, but the, or not the 11, because Thomas was not with them at this point in time, so it was 10, and, uh, and so Jesus met with them. And then about a week later, he again met with his disciples. This time, Thomas was with them. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. And then a little bit after that, Jesus goes and meets with uh, seven disciples on the shore of Galilee, which you heard read, where uh, Peter and the disciples were off fishing and uh, they came in for the night and Jesus was there on the shore. And then after that, Jesus meets with the apostles on the mountain of, in Galilee and uh, gives them the Great Commission. You know this from Matthew 28, if you're familiar with that. And then after that, Jesus, it says that Jesus met with over 500 at once. Then after that, Jesus met with his brother James. And then he had a, a last kind of meal with his disciples where then he led them up to his ascension. And then the last re record that we have of Jesus, the risen Christ, coming down and meeting with someone is when he meets Saul on the road to Damascus. And as I was looking through all of this that happened after Easter, I, I 
ask myself a question. I like to ask whys when I'm reading scripture. And I, I was wondering, why did Jesus meet with certain disciples by themselves? Why, I know he met with groups, but why did he individually decide to meet with Mary or with Peter or with James or with Saul or even Thomas? Why did he do that? And I, I've come to the idea that uh, at least one reason why he met with those individually was because those individuals perhaps weren't living like Jesus had risen. They weren't living like Jesus had risen from the grave. Again, anyone can say that Christ is risen on Sunday, but do you live like Christ is risen on Monday? I want to look at three of them today. Thomas and Peter and Saul. And perhaps maybe you are in that same boat where they were at the same life experience that they were going through when Jesus met with them. Let's first start at Thomas. Now, if you remember the timeline, Jesus had met with all the disciples except Thomas on that Sunday night, Resurrection Sunday. It wasn't a week until a week later where Thomas was there and he met Thomas. But after that first meeting, the disciples went and they found Thomas and they said, look, we have seen Jesus. He was there with us. And, and if you're familiar with doubting Thomas, right? You know that Thomas was said, I, I won't believe unless I can put my, my hands in, in the holes in his hands and in, in his side, right? He's like, unless I actually see the wounds for myself, will I believe that it's actually Jesus? You, you wonder why Thomas wasn't there with the disciples on that first night? Was it because he just didn't believe? That he had already started living like Christ wasn't risen? Now, I wonder why Thomas doesn't believe. When the disciples, all of them, I'm like, that's a good group of witnesses, right? When they all come and say, hey, we have met with Jesus. And at this point, Peter and Mary and the other women could say, we met with him at another time too. We saw him. Why wouldn't Thomas believe at this point in time? I mean, think about it. Thomas was one of the twelve. He probably saw thousands of miracles that Jesus did. Not only that, he was one of the 12 who Jesus sent out with the power to do miracles. So Thomas would have gone out and he would have healed people. He would have cast out demons. He would have actually been part of the miracle giving, right? He, he would have, miracles would have flowed through him. And yet, now that Jesus was died and they were claiming that he rose from the dead, he wasn't believing. He refused to believe. He needed to see the proof, as if all that proof of Jesus' ministry and following him wasn't enough. So why didn't he believe? I mean, was the re resurrection just too big of a miracle? Like, yeah, I saw Jesus heal other people. I, I even saw Jesus raise people from the dead, but to raise himself from the dead? Just a little bit too much. Could have been that. Maybe, I wonder if he started to doubt whether the miracles actually were real, whether they actually happened. 
And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this too in your, your faith life where there was one point in your life where you were gung-ho for Jesus. God had come in and done a miracle in your life. Your sins were forgiven. You felt that freedom. Your, your life was that. And maybe God had even done some miracles that you were like, these are miracles that God has done in my life. Maybe you went and were on a spiritual high at one point in time and you came off and were like, I met Jesus there. Wherever that, whatever that place was, I met Jesus there and I know it. But as time has passed, you begin to wonder, did God really show up? Was he really there? Did he really do that stuff? Or did that stuff just kind of happen? Maybe that wasn't a, a God showing up. Maybe that was just coincidence. Yeah, I, I had faith when I was a child, but maybe I was just being childish. And maybe the farther you've gotten away from those miracles, you begin to doubt and say, well, maybe those weren't really miracles at all. Or maybe it's, Doubt because God didn't show up the way you wanted him to show up. And maybe this is where Thomas was, where he, he assumed that Jesus w- would not be defeated by death. That he was the Messiah, that he was going to be the next king of the Jews, right? There's no way that he would actually allow himself to be killed on a cross and dead and buried. Are you in the same place? Where once you believed, but now you need help in your unbelief? You had a moment where you met Jesus and the miracles in your life, but now that time has passed? Or maybe you prayed for a miracle, for healing, and that healing never seemed to come. Or a time when you needed God, but God didn't seem to be there, and your belief has eroded away. And maybe now... Like Thomas, you're living as if Christ never rose. What I love about this is that in the midst of the doubts, in the midst of where Jesus could show up to Thomas and literally say, I told you so, because he told him so, Thomas showed up, or Jesus showed up to Thomas again and said, hey, Thomas. He calls him out with the disciples. He could have been like, hey, I'm with the disciples again, but Thomas, you weren't there the first time, and you're not believing now. You, you can just stay out of it. He, doesn't. he calls Thomas forward and says, hey, Thomas, here's my hands. Feel the wounds. Here's my side. And he gives Thomas the proof that he needs to believe once again. And this is important because our faith is not a blind faith. It is a a faith based on facts, history, reality. Uh, Just a a few months ago over spring break, one month, whatever it was, uh, my family and I were in St. Louis and we were sitting in this quaint little bakery having just a, a nice afternoon snack. And where we were sitting, there was a, an older couple, I say couple, I don't think they were together, but I think they just met at this bakery to do some adult coloring and just talk. And that's just, and you could tell by the, just their casualness that they'd done this a lot, and they would almost bicker back and forth a little bit. But their conversation that day, they started going, uh, talking about Christianity, and you could tell that they, they weren't believers. In fact, they had a lot of trouble and problems with Christianity. And one of the, the things that the gentleman said to the lady is like, yeah, Christianity, it's just a bunch of blind faith. They just, we're just supposed to believe this stuff. 
They say this, and we're supposed to believe it, and if we don't believe it, that that's not good enough. And they went on and on about other things, and, and I'm sitting there with my family, and I'm overhearing this, and I just so wanted to get up and sit down and just have a conversation with them. Oh, I really did. And I wanted to sit there and listen, like, all right, what, what is it that, you, that you're struggling to believe with? In, right? What, what is causing you to, to not believe? And one of the biggest misconceptions about Christianity is that it's supposed to be blind faith. No, it's not. Is it supposed to be childlike faith? Yes, but not blind. And if you are someone who needs to see the evidence, the evidence is there. And Jesus will meet you to show you. Did you once believe and now need help in your unbelief? Let's move on to Peter. Now, Peter is probably the most famous or infamous of all the disciples. And at, at this point, right before the resurrection, you may be familiar with how he betrayed Jesus three times, even though he was adamant that he would never disown Jesus, and he does. And he, he gets to meet Jesus. It says that the, the scripture tells us that he meets Jesus one-on-one -on -one somewhere on that Sunday. And by the time we get to Jesus fishing, or I mean to Peter fishing, Peter had met Jesus. This would be his fourth time that he would see Jesus risen from the dead. The first time uh, just by himself on Sunday, then two times with the, with the disciples, and now he is out fishing. And if you are familiar with the custom of fishing in the Jewish culture, they'd be fishing at night, where the, that's where the fish would rise up to the top of the Sea of Galilee. They would fish at night, and then they would, they would come in at daylight. And it's interesting to me that being the fourth time that, Jesus, that Peter met Jesus, that this conversation doesn't happen with Jesus until this time. And at the end of this encounter, you'll see Jesus asked Peter, do you love me three times, reflecting the three times that Jesus betrayed him. But what I find fascinating is what Peter did. He went back to fishing. That's what he did before he met Jesus. It was Peter on the waters fishing where Jesus called him. In fact, the encounters parallel each other. Here is Peter who, again, lived through all these miracles, was performed miracles himself, had seen the risen Christ, but he was still living as if Jesus had not risen. He went back to his old way of life of fishing for fish instead of fishing for men. Not only did he go back, but his, uh, his life, uh, where the fact that he was living as if Jesus hadn't risen, he actually called the other disciples, six other disciples, said, hey, why don't you come back to our old way of life? And they came with him. And so they were fishing, and they couldn't fit, catch anything, just like the, when they first met Jesus. And they're, they're going back to shore, and Jesus is there on the shore. They don't recognize him at first. And Jesus calls out and said, hey, throw your nets over to this side. And they do. They catch a bunch of fish. And, and John re re realizes what's going on here. He says, hey, Peter, that's Jesus. He's here again. We get to see him again. And Peter, it says that he jumps into the water, and he starts swimming to Jesus. But then it says something interesting. Instead of him just getting out and going out and like giving Jesus a big hug and be like, hey, it's great to see you. Thanks for the help with the fish. He says he stops and then he helps the boat to get in. 
If he was in that big of a hurry, why would he, I mean, if he was going to wait for the boat to get in, why would he jump in the water and swim? It's like something happened, and, and this is my guess. That there was some sort of wall up between Peter and Jesus. That Peter got so excited to, to see Jesus, he jumped in, but as he got closer, he realized that, hey, I have messed up. And my, now my sin, my betrayal is between me and Jesus. And yes, I want to be close to him. Yes, I want to follow him. But I can't get too close because my sin is there. And so he kind of pauses and he stops and, and he kind of says, I, I, I don't want to meet with him one-on-one. -on -one. I'm going to go back and help the boat and let the other disciples come with me. And I wonder if at the other two meetings where Jesus met or Peter met Jesus with the disciples, I wonder if Peter was more of a wallflower which he had never really been before. I mean, it's kind of like us saying, I'm going to go to church, I'll be at church, I'll sit there, but I really can't engage. I really can't go all in because there was a time when I said yes to Christ and, and I said I would follow him anywhere, but I have since messed up. I have sinned. I am broken. And I have guilt, and I have shame, and now I can't get close to Jesus like I once did. I don't mind being in the same room, but I can't truly live for him because there is guilt and shame that is blocking that. And friends, when we don't live as if Christ has risen, if we are living... Uh, and our relationship with Christ is blocked because of sin and guilt and shame, we aren't living in the power of God. The other thing I find fascinating about this story is the story is the fact that J Peter jumped in the water and swam. You remember, this is the same guy who walked on water, right? He knew the power and the feeling of what it was to leap out of the boat and be able to walk on water. All he had to do was look at Jesus and he could have ran to Jesus on top of that water. But he was living as if Christ hadn't risen. And so he had to swim. And I wonder if, if, Peter, if that went through Peter's mind. He's like, once I, I could do it, I could look at Jesus and I could walk on water, but now I can't because of my sin. And so he stopped and he waited for the rest of the disciples to come back in. Are you like Peter? Once gung-ho, but now your mistakes and your failures, your brokenness has become a stumbling block. A wall, a curtain of separation. I want you to know that Jesus wants to meet with you too. He wants to meet with you and look you in the eyes and say, Michael, do you love me? Yeah, I know, I know you did that stuff, but do you love me? Do you love me? And there are some people in here who need to hear this next part. Because for you, the stumbling block isn't Jesus meeting with you and giving you and offering you grace because he's doing that. It's the fact that you won't forgive yourself. You know what you did was wrong. And maybe this is where Peter was at. And for the first few times, he could not 
he could not forgive himself to receive the grace of Jesus Christ because he knew that he did deny Jesus after adamantly saying he would never do it. And there are some of you in here whose mistakes, sins, maybe it's even somebody else who, who has sinned against you, but your guilt and your shame is keeping you, and you know Jesus would forgive you, but you can't forgive yourself. And if you're here and you need to hear this, I want you to, I want you to hear this. Jesus has already washed it clean. You don't need to hold on to it anymore. You don't need to punish yourself anymore. You can live as if Christ is risen because he has. Jesus is asking all of us every single day. We mess up every single day. And he looks at you in the eye and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Let's move on to the last one, Saul. Some of you will also know him as Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. Now, now this is the last one that happens. It's a little bit later on than all of the other uh, appearances of Jesus. And uh, uh, it, it's, a, it's a different one. And this is because Saul was the enemy of Christians. Saul was the one persecuting, leading the persecution against those, the followers of the way, those who were proclaiming Christ risen. In fact, Saul oversaw the stoning of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. And then after that, he went and he got permission um, for, from the high priest to go out and lead a campaign against Christians to persecute them, to imprison them, to beat them. And that's what he was doing on the way to, on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians. And then Jesus shows up and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He says, who are you? Lord, who are you? He says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus. And Saul believes. He believes in the risen Christ, where before he was an enemy of the risen Christ. Now, again, I ask myself, why was Saul so adamant and so against Christianity. And we get a little glimpse of this as we see Stephen, before he was stoned to death over Paul's over, or Saul's oversight, um, he preaches this sermon. And part of the sermon, he talks about how Moses' law will not save you. The law will not save you. The law is not in your salvation. It is in Jesus Christ where that salvation happens. And here is Paul, who is a Pharisee, the Pharisee of Pharisees, he is a rule follower. In fact, his whole life was built around following the Mosaic law. And here comes this Jesus who says, no, that law won't save you, but I will. And now all of a sudden, Saul's whole life has been a waste. And so Saul says, no, I, I, I won't believe in this. Because that means my life has been a waste. I will not believe in this. I am going to be an enemy to Christ and to Christians who proclaim him risen. Maybe you're out there, or maybe you're watching live stream, and, and you, you're an enemy of Christ. And whether you have... Never believed, and you say, you know what, I've seen those Christians, and I don't want anything to do with them. Or maybe you were once saying, you know, I once followed Christ, 
But if I have to be honest, I'm kind of at odds with him right now. He's more of my enemy than my Savior. And this is what I mean by this. And this is how easily Christ can become our enemy rather than our Savior. When we start living in a way that is not Christ-like, we know that when I, I should say, not, yeah, I'll talk about myself. When I know when I'm living in a way that is not Christ-like, and I, if I have to encounter Christ, I know my way of living, he, he's going to come and say, hey, you shouldn't live that way anymore. And if I want to keep living that way, Christ's presence in my life is the enemy of that. And I move from just having my own mistakes, my own failures, to saying, Jesus, I don't want you in my life because I want to live the, li my, the life I want to live. And Christ has become my enemy instead of my Savior. Friends, I've seen this happen all the time. We're Christians who were follow Christ with all their heart, and now they have lived in a, such a way that to follow Christ again means that they would have to give up the things that they love, the things that they've grown to depend on, the things that they want for the sake of Christ. That means Jesus becomes the enemy. And you live your life as if Jesus had never risen. Friends, maybe you are like Saul or Peter or Thomas. Thomas, where doubt has settled in, or like Peter, where guilt and shame have separated you, or like Saul, and you've just become an enemy of the gospel. But here's the truth Jesus is risen, friends. Can I get an amen? Jesus is risen. He is still alive today, just as he was last week, right? He's still alive. He has risen. And he wants you to live a resurrected life. He doesn't want you held back by condemnation. or He doesn't want you held back by doubt. And he doesn't want to be your enemy. He wants you to have life and to have life to the fullest. To be filled with joy and love and peace and happiness. All of that hope and power. He wants you walking on waters, not swimming through it. I'm not here to condemn you with wherever you're at. I want you to make sure you get this. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here maybe, maybe as a wake-up call. Maybe I'm here as a warning because it is easy to start living like Christ hasn't risen. Maybe I'm here just to be a mirror. That maybe today we can ask ourselves, am I truly living like Christ is risen? Friends, no matter where you're at, Jesus wants to meet you. Just like he met with the disciples one-on-one, -on -one, he wants to meet with you one-on-one, -on -one, and he's there ready, and he, he even promises to seek me, and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened. If you are struggling with your doubts, go to Jesus with your doubts. 
If you're struggling with your guilt and shame, lay him at the cross. And if you've been at swords with Jesus about how you're living your life, maybe it's time to lay those down. Thomas, Peter, and Saul, they were all living either fearful lives, timid lives, or even just angry lives. But once they met Christ, the risen Christ, and they once again believed, everything changed in them. Everything changed in them. Saul immediately says, immediately when he got his eyesight back, he went to the synagogues and started preaching the gospel of Christ resurrected. Peter stands up in Jerusalem where he was once too afraid to be arrested and crucified as well, and he preaches to the Jews where all of a sudden the first church started. It became a mega church, over 3,000 on that first day. He was this pastor of this huge church. Thomas, who wouldn't believe unless he saw, saw and believed. And I don't know if you know this about Thomas, but he went out to become a missionary to India to spread the gospel there. And if you look at the lives of all of them, the witness of all of them, once they truly lived like Christ had, has risen, Thomas went east, Peter stayed put in Jerusalem, and Paul went west to Europe to Macedonia, to Rome. And the kingdom of God launched across the world. Here's a reality. If we are living like Christ never rose from the dead, we have no witness of the gospel. We have no witness of the gospel. If Calvary wants to be a witness into this community, we need to live as a church as if Christ is risen in that power, in that forgiveness, in that hope. That when people see us, they say, what are, what are they talking about? Jesus alive? What does that mean? What does that mean for me? Friends, I'm excited about Easter. I'm excited about Easter today, as I was last week. I'm excited about the risen Christ who is alive today. How will we change this community when we start dealing with our stuff, we start meeting Jesus, and we start living like Christ is alive and alive in us? Friends, last week we proclaimed with great joy that Christ is risen. Easter's over, but now let us go out and live like Christ is risen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would pour your spirit upon us, that we might meet you, Jesus. We want to meet you. We want to meet the risen Christ because that changes everything. Lord, help our unbelief. Lord, offer your grace and forgiveness to our sins. And Lord, where we have picked up swords against you, help us to put them down, that the peace of God might enter our hearts. Lord, let us be your church, living for you, the risen Christ. Amen. Would you please stand as we worship together, singing that he is alive. <laughs>